Hello, and welcome to episode 5 of Let Them Eat Cake. This episode, we'll be talking to one of the revolution leaders from Lebanon, the 154th most corrupt country out of 180 counted. Lebanon has plunged from 28 on the Corruption Perception Index to 24 in three short years. Lebanon ranks around countries like Iran, Iraq, and Eritrea. The country has been ravaged by hyperinflation and the Lebanese people that can't leave are suffering. This episode will explore Lebanon from the perspective of someone who is from and lives in the country, just like our other episodes. We have worked closely with our guest and we will continue to work closely with her in hopes of aiding the Lebanese people in their struggles. As always, we are 5th Gen, an information warfare cooperative that aims to shed light on things those in power want to be kept in the dark. We want to give a voice to the voiceless and give people the information they need to thrive in a world that tries so hard to starve you of it. I am Jack and my co-host is John and we hope you enjoy the show. We have a weapon more powerful than the British Empire, and that weapon is our refusal to bow to any order but our own, any institution but our own. I'm uh, Mariam Kisirwan. I've been uh, an activist, uh, kind of a political activist, since 2015 when uh, I was. Uh, board member in the Think movement. And then in 2019, I created the page called Lebanon Uprising, mainly active on Instagram. I stayed dedicated for almost two years uh, during the Lebanese revolution. When it comes to the revolution in Lebanon, how similar would you say your movement is to something like the Arab Spring? Well, I think that uh, one of the things that happened in the Lebanese Revolution but didn't happen in the Arab Spring is actually that uh, it was hard to create uh, that illusion of winning until the elections. So what I mean is during the Arab Spring, we all noticed that the leadership that followed wasn't actually a leadership that uh, was accepted later on by the people. And the people felt the disappointment after all the elections took place. However, in Lebanon, unfortunately, it's because of a huge disappointment and uh, of long years of illusion and uh, of lies, uh, of uh, being far from reality, especially in terms of uh, the media that they were exposed to and they were watching and the amount of conspiracies uh, from different uh, persons and different leaders, especially that what uh, makes Lebanon different and maybe it's the weak point at, uh, of Lebanon and at the same time a strong point in a way that there is no uh, one big head uh, like in many other Arab uh, countries. So we are talking about many heads. That's why no one can have an agenda and execute it easily. Uh, but this is also exactly why it was hard for us to take down the leadership because you should be attacking or not attacking. Yes, it was attacking. Not physically attacking. Yeah, not physically attacking, but I, also, I always believe in being uh, offensive 
uh, when it comes to Lebanon, especially after the past two years. So when I use these uh, terminologies, it's the least we can do. So I'm not sorry. What I want to elaborate on is the history of revolutionary violence in Lebanon and how your movement is such a breakaway from the past mistakes those movements made. And the fact that there is a state, but then there's also a militia, right? So in most countries, like in Africa, for example, a lot of countries, the militia will overthrow the state. That classical coup type thing. But in Lebanon, since both forces are already in power, the militia and the state, there would be no possible way for an armed revolutionary force to rise up and challenge those powers. It could only be done through a nonviolent resistance. Yeah, and not only protest, actually. What we did, and that's why I tell you, yes, when I say attack, we were attacking, but our attack was not violent, but it doesn't mean it didn't have any effect. So one of our uh, the things that we created, for example, a phenomenon <laughs> called a politicians booing. So when we started to follow them and to actually uh, limit their freedom in uh, displacement and to actually create a certain social threat, although we never hit anyone or we never attacked anyone with violence, but it was one of the things that we as unarmed people, and if we're unarmed, it doesn't mean uh, we, we were weak, we were so powerful and we had a creative mind to peacefully actually bother them to go to their ministries, to go to their houses. One time uh, there was a van and a sound system that were, was saying things under their houses. One of the prime ministers that came uh, during the past two years mentioned when he was assigned as prime minister we have to save the country because us as politicians we can't go to restaurants anymore we want to go to restaurants if someone's freedom is touched no matter who and no matter how uh, it is something that bothers so i agree that in lebanon we were so peaceful and maybe in other revolution they weren't but i guess the reason the main reason is that all our parents, especially the generation of our parents, convinces us that shedding blood is uh, useless. Why? Because they shed blood and it was useless. Why it was useless? Because they were shedding blood against each other. Because it was a civil war. It was people against people. So do you consider the uh, the social pressures, the, the booing, would you consider that pretty effective? Like they the politicians they felt pressured it worked depending on your goal so if the goal was bothering just for the sake of bothering and it's it's not a plan with goals it's not about taking them down no it didn't work for that okay but the plan was that they shouldn't be resting during their all their criminal practices over the people but maybe if these things all the actions were heading or leading to certain goals, preset goals that are put beforehand and there was a clear path for these, using these as, as a tool for the path, but in a structured plan and strategy, maybe uh, the results would have been better. Maybe we would, we would have been more democratic in the past elections or it wouldn't have happened. 
So what what was the ultimate goal? Was it just disruption, or was it like what what was the end goal from all this? Uh, there is no end goal because no none of us, including me, have set. This is what I'm saying. No one was setting a plan and a clear target and a path. So we were doing things and we were reactive in doing things. And this is something we should admit. We were doing things based on emotions and it was not based on a plan. We were, we were uh, random. And in a way, <laughs> there are many, many people in this revolution that, that were promoting this. We don't want to be organized. We were born random and we will stay random because our power is in randomness. And I don't know what these slogans that are totally useless. I'd say both is good. And I think that a good example of this would be a group like Anonymous, right? Like when they do cyber activism, anyone can join in, but they normally have a connection with each other where they can do some sort of targeted campaign. So anyone can do their own thing, but they can still come together on things. Like the Church of Scientology stuff they did. They really did some damage to that cult. Yeah, because they are already agreeing on a mission. Mm -hmm. And this is, the, this is the key. But what used to happen with us is that we didn't have uh, a clear mission. Sometimes we want to decide to be uh, uh, divisive. And sometimes we want to agree on uh, the common ground, okay? And uh, at the end of the day, honestly, I'm going to say it as it is. We were very few real people in this revolution. And we were, we were infiltrated. And we were not infiltrated only by one side or by one institution. It's not only the intelligence unit. It's not only the parties. There are people that are infiltrating us for their own benefit because they were powerful and they want to save their power. And the good people, they weren't capable of keeping up. Let's take me as an example. Why I was able to join this revolution? Because I stopped my career for two years and I kept a small hand that was a smart, small, small hand that let me keep up. But most of the people have duties, have responsibilities, and they have loans, and they have families, and things were actually hitting them so hard. It's not easy for someone to, to just join two years of revolution. Well, this is actually the goal of our company that we're trying to start. Because all these states, they have people professionally doing information warfare. And the people, they have jobs, so they have to do it in their free time. So one of the things that we specifically want to be able to do is help fund these people. So basically they don't have to depend so much on having a job so they can actually dedicate their time to doing yeah. these types of actions. I'm glad you, you opened this subject because this is exactly what I was going to talk about now also, that we were not only infiltrated by these agendas, whether personal, political, or whatever it is, or, or, or the state's agenda, but we were, we were also, because I consider this as infiltration, the opportunistic people that are not real with the mission and they just want something out of it for their own personal interest and not the public interest. Among these people and uh, 
Unfortunately, today, for example, I shared a post for a page, uh, page uh, called Lebanon Times. Uh, he posted on August 4 that August 4 is the birth of the NGOs that store people money. And they have the audacity to actually post about August 4 because they call themselves the revolution. People that were close to us and we used to consider as fellows. So when we now uh, expose these things, we, we weren't part of it at some point, no, but we were depending on these people. Okay, so I, I choose to actually organize, organize the street, organize in the groups, organize structures to actually bring people together and to actually write uh, the chance. There are people that they wanted to fundraise, right? Everyone should take a responsibility. It's just that I don't like to, I, I, I'm the type of people that used to not like, maybe it was one of the mistakes that if you don't like to tell people I want money because of, uh, the, even if it's not that direct and it's uh, about a page and the, a social media work. So it doesn't mean that I should leave the wrong people on the gate of money generated for this revolution or the August 4 victims. So we started to ask about transparency. The same thing happened, the same procedure, uh, the same strategy that the politicians, the corrupt politicians follow in doing a party, a political party and an NGO at the same time and this conflict of interest because of a flow and law of associations uh, and organizations in Lebanon because it's not, it's outdated since the Ottoman Empire. So they are t making use out of this. The politicians were doing conflicts inside the, of Lebanon. And at the same time, they have the political parties that are funded by some countries, each by a country that is interested mm -hmm. through, through their, their religious NGOs. Okay. Uh, uh, it's, uh, but today the titles were a bit different. It was not called, it's not religious. It's called the revolutionary, a, revol a change, change makers. They have at the same time, they are the same board members in a party and they are, uh, each one of them opened an NGO, the same thing, a humanitarian, not religious, but the same process and the same conflict of interest in a non-transparent at all way. And when someone like me asked about transparency, they, although they have it and one of the, the NGOs is for mental health. They accused me of being mentally deranged with a low IQ. And then they accused me of being a traitor. They did everything they can to make me lose my credibility. And they didn't raise transparency until everything was exposed in January. So I just want to give two examples to normalize uh, for some Westerners what she's talking about. So two historical examples that you'd probably be very familiar with. Groups like Al-Qaeda. They grew out of a charity organization, for example. They used charity to gain their power. Another example with Afghanistan is the madrasas. People think that the Taliban were created by the CIA funding, but they weren't. So the refugees going into Pakistan, uh, Saudi Arabia, used charities to basically open all these madrasas, which is like an Islamic school. And that's what installed the Taliban ideology. They were literally created through a charity organization to fund schools and things like that. So those are just examples to show how NGOs have fucked up the world. This is how I started doubting their intentions. I started asking why aren't they funding at least 
not a salary. We weren't, we weren't even asking for a salary. At least the transportation of those when things got so hard and the fuel shortage and everything. At some point, the dollar was equivalent to 1,500 Lebanese pounds. It became, when it started to become 8,000, we started to lose people. Why weren't we providing buses? You are getting a lot of money for this revolution. What are you doing? Why aren't you providing people with kits so we can be strong in, this, in the ground, so we can resist more in the ground? And there was a lot of money, by the way. What I'm talking about is hundreds of millions of dollars. Not millions of dollars, hundreds. It's estimated 300 million. So uh, the economic crisis in 2019, I have this little thing right here. What I've been told is it was largely investors pulling out of the country, but I'm sure there's other reasons than that. But just some of the cost of goods immediately in 2019 that went up. Cooking oil went up by 37%. R uh, rice went up by 19. Not 37%, 37 times. Uh, that's how high the inflation was for cooking oil alone. Yeah, yeah, it's 3,700%. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah. And then this one right here is just, it's even worse now, but this is just 2019 to 2021. Uh, what, 10,000 Lebanese pounds would get you in groceries? 2019, you can basically get a full thing, chicken, vegetables, milk, whatever. 2021, the same amount of money would only get you a few oranges and apples. This inflation is not normal. And um, you know what's, uh, what's scary today about the country? It's not only the inflation and it's not the dollar rate. It's actually the absence of goods. It's actually the absence of the kids' uh, milk. It's actually the absence of uh, the contraceptives. It's the absence of the cancer uh, medicines. Why are these absent? even if we want to pay for them. Why can't we renew our passports? Sorry, this is the most... Do you know that this is considered as uh, taking the people as hostages when you don't renew their uh, legal papers? In Lebanon, we are waiting. Let me tell you this funny story. What is happening with passports in Lebanon? In Lebanon today, you take an appointment on a platform that the general security has launched, okay? And then uh, for you to renew your passport. For example, most of the people are in next June, <laughs> okay? So they are going to stay for a year. They can't travel, okay? And the funny part is not here yet. The funny part is that you have to have an excuse. Among the excuses that I remember, okay, and you can't if you don't have one of these irrational excuses, is that you should be having a visa appointment, okay? This is number one. Number two, that you should be having a work contract. So if I was recruited today and I got a contract today, okay, I can't travel to that country because I have to renew my contract after five months and then I will be sending them that contract of four months ago. That would you believe me that I will still go to that work that I'm bringing you a schedule, an offer dated four months ago? Yeah. Do you know, uh, I saw a, a couple of days ago a review 
about a restaurant, a very good restaurant. I love it. It's called the Zatar Wazir. Now in Zatar Wazir, for example, I order a meal for, let's say, 150,000, okay? So she was saying that uh, the, the food is good and I don't know what, but uh, one lahm rajin, which means uh, um, it's meat with the... Uh, it's like meat with uh, bread, okay? For 11,000, so it's a bit expensive. This was in 2015. 11,000. Today, 150,000. So you mentioned personal reasons that people are infiltrating. How would you diffuse this sort of personal selfishness from people? How did the, uh, the protest movement deal with it? Honestly, the solution is by normalizing questioning and by, first of all, by normalizing and asking each other when we begin who is who and, and hold ourselves uh, responsible to actually tell anything that would feel like uh, suspicious. Because at some point there are, there was uh, some people that they tell you, well, uh, I, no, I didn't tell who I am because no one asked. No. When we are in a revolution against certain people and you are not only trying to be with us, you are trying to lead us and to oppose us and to obstruct our movements and to give your opinion above our opinion, we have to know that you are linked because maybe when we are democratic and we are voting upon these things, this will play a negative role for in, in voting for your own choice. So we want to keep democracy and you, everyone is allowed to be with us, but there's a level of transparency that each one of us is entitled to say. For example, I'm going to give an example about myself. When I was 15 years old, I was, uh, I used to support in a good way, okay, I, I, I support, really support a certain party I'm really against now. And in uh, the elections at EU in my university, I used to help another party that I am totally against them now, and they are my number one opponents. And I used to help them for three years in a row to win their elections. I said these things during, in 2015, I said them about my history. And today I said them, although these are minimal issues compared to what I'm talking about. I don't have any business partnerships. I don't have any uh, blood ties. I don't have any uh, previous experience or any relation or any conversation with anyone that we're against now. I was once a follower and once I helped out in, in uh, students' elections. So I'm transparent because we are all entitled to doubt each other. This thing will lead to trust at some point between certain people, not all the people. We were not supposed to be imposed on each other, but we were just because we are few. Would you say that you were thrust into the movement or would you say that you sort of fell into it? In my case, it's a bit... Um, uh, there are many elements because, for example, I told you that I was active in 2015. My reaction was, we were all getting suffocated from 2018, uh, from 2016, 17, 18, year after year, and we weren't knowing that we are all suffocating. Each one used to think that he is suffocating on a personal level and that he is the one who is not doing okay. 
what happened my reaction literally was that when the whatsapp things uh, came out and i saw in the news that there's a road closed i wore my shoe the the the, the first thing that i saw uh, in front of the door and i told my mom this is the spark that ignites revolutions and i saw that this is a spark and i saw a revolution coming because of the spark that we lived in 2015 that was uh, the trash unfortunately so i knew that there's something coming and i knew that i uh, have to uh, i used to think in 2015 when everything ended and there there was a big disappointment uh, that uh, i don't want to get involved in these things anymore in that moment i felt that yes uh, i want to i want to resume and uh, i want to to actually exercise everything that I've done before in a better way and to learn from the lessons that I learned in the previous experience because I didn't want that experience to go to waste. It's something good that I have. But to be honest, I could use it on a personal level, but I couldn't uh, help anyone whether to avoid, uh, prevent them from doing the same mistakes. Apparently, a human... Uh, behavior a human nature is that everyone should learn their own lessons from their own personal experiences and especially when there are people that have agendas this thing will be uh, doubled that will double the layer before i give it to jack here i have two other graphics i found this really great poll it's the angriest countries in the world so in 2018 before the economic crisis in lebanon the angriest country in the world is armenia with 45%, and then Iraq 44, Iran 43. In the most recent one, done 2021 to 2022, the angriest country in the world is now Lebanon, with 49% of people polled saying they are angry, followed by Turkey at 48%, and then Armenia at 46, which was the previous number one. Because yeah, I agree. I think everyone now watching uh, this podcast <laughs> have noticed from my own tonality that there is anger. And even if I want to try to moderate that, I can't. And anyone who is living in Lebanon cannot. And I think, honestly, in these circumstances, for someone to be calm and normal, it is abnormal, honestly. For someone to be at ease and in peace and accepting and embracing everything. This, this, this can't be normal because there is so much inhumanity and watching inhumanity with calm and ease, this is not something that, uh, that some, someone who is uh, so human could, could do. You know, what I say, for example, I'm always angry and I'm always worried about the country. And then I do see, I was always sacrificing something to stay in the revolution. I wasn't in need, so that's why I didn't find a, a solution. So I went to the street. It was never that way. Contrarily, when I first uh, went into the streets, I went viral by um, the followers of uh, a certain party. 
uh, that uh, she's going to, to the street uh, to protest against hunger with an iPhone 11 Pro back in 2019. I went viral every every year during that today. I go viral again. It is not, it, it wasn't initiated against hunger. And the people that went to the streets, they weren't hungry people. They were people seeking dignity and seeking respect, the minimum of life standards that they deserve as people that who worked hard on developing themselves and on reaching a certain level that they, that they don't agree and they don't accept to go below that level for someone else's mistake. Whoever this, this, this person is, no one would accept. I can't believe that we accepted in a way that our money to, our money to be seized. A central bank seizing people's money. Who would expect that? Who would expect putting money in banks and get robbed? It's uh, it's actually happening in China at the moment. They, yeah, uh, and in stopped. Sri Lanka, I heard. Yes, yes. So it's it's very interesting that that's a uh, that um, started there. Yeah, because mm. if you accept it in one country, it will happen in other in other countries. Yeah, exactly. I think we all noticed. Uh, the trends, I used to think it's only in Lebanon with uh, these Lebanese networks of business uh, men and women related to politicians that when there's a trend, no matter if it harms the country, it doesn't, whatever it is, the trend, everyone does the trend, everyone adopts the trend. And this is, this is, this we saw in COVID with countries, it's a trend. And so you mentioned foreign influence earlier. Could you expand on that a little bit and talk about which countries are involved, which uh, parties, who's interested in Lebanon? There was things that were obvious to everyone and there was things that were uh, under the table. So we can't know the whole truth about these things, especially in the new statistical, because uh, things changed in the past two years, three years. You mean uh, when I talked about uh, the religious NGOs and that there, there was foreign influence through these NGOs, through political parties, right? For example, KSA used to support the future movement, which used to represent the religion of Sunni. You have Iran, they support Hezbollah, they're representing the religion of Shia. These are their agendas that we don't agree with, just a reminder. And the questions, it's, they always Okay, so it's like not very direct, but some of them are funded by uh, the U.S. Uh, or whatever countries, Western countries, uh, or the French, some of them the French. But really, uh, do you know why you can't limit these things uh, in Lebanon? <laughs> because everyone of uh, our political class, they are literally going to allow uh, foreign influence in a way or another if it was monetized so it is very normalized in the culture in the political culture in the country is is one of the goals of the revolution to uh rid foreign influence from lebanon like is that is that one of the ultimate goals or is that a sub goal or is that what what's the what's the the end goal with foreign influence this was not a unified vision about upon this also because it was people that were all very strict in holding this mission and to actually push for it, to actually, yeah, get rid of any foreign influence and for us to take lead and to take control because no one will know and no one will work for the interest of your country like you do, correct? Yeah. There was some people that, 
okay, they want to get rid of a certain political influence, but they don't want to get rid of all foreign influences. So, okay. for example, you see them, they support France, they support the US, they support the, these countries that are, in a way, uh, revolution friendly, you know? Because yeah. uh, the revolution, one of their agenda is to get rid of some of uh, their enemies also. So it turns out that uh, uh, the audio was picking up from my webcam microphone and it hasn't been picking up on this microphone the whole time. Excellent. But I love how we always have audio issues. But if you know, it's not me, but it's, it's you. fine because <laughs> since I'm editing it, I can just re-record my own audio and post. How <laughs> oh, you edit them? That's funny. Yeah. So, um, uh, I wanted to. I wanted to um, ask a ask a more serious question to kind of uh, uh, switch topics a little bit, but we're going to come back to this because this is going to be our main focus. I wanted to ask you a very uh, controversial question. Does slavery exist in Lebanon? Does slavery exist? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you mean, um, yeah, slavery does exist anyway uh, with uh, treating uh, foreign uh, workers, uh, yes. But there's another type of slavery too, which is actually there are people that are working just to cover the expense of their own job. So, and this is considered as slavery. That, no, that is literally slavery. That's yeah. that's one of the things that is a key principle to slavery is to make sure they make it seem like you could buy your way out. Yeah, and uh, and for example, now we talked about uh, uh, the taxis and Uber and Bolt and everything. But for example, uh, these people, there are some people, uh, especially in Bolt, they are suffering from the very little uh, profit and uh, they are reporting that now that the, it has been two years they are putting uh, a high cost on uh, on the car's maintenance because they used it for two years and the cost is in dollars so apparently it was a failing investment to actually work for two years and use your car in this application for example okay because at the end of the day, you're changing your oil in, in dollars, you're uh, fixing your car in dollars, and you wasted a lot of money on that after you used it. Okay, so this is one of the things that the drivers, not all the drivers will actually have a certain study in, and to actually know if this is going to be profitable. No one can do any study, let's agree, and on, on anything and any project because each day everything is changing. There's uh, risk hundred percent, but even in terms of a human resource, there are salaries that are they are very low. But the people don't know that this is a low salary because the dollar is in constant uh, rise, the dollar rate, and the the goods are also their prices is increasing always. So let's say you were hired six months ago with a salary uh, of uh, 3 million lira, because there are salaries like that. 3 million liras, we're talking about $100. Okay, and uh, today, uh, and today, uh, 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 prices of uh, goods increased, and also uh, the dollar rate is different, and everything is changing. You will notice that you are going to work just to 
actually uh, cover the expenses of going to work. Okay, on that, I ask, uh, is, is there an employment crisis? Are people refusing to work because there's yeah, this no is point from, This is from the beginning of the revolution. Already there was people that they, they don't want to work. And when the dollar rate reached uh, uh, 10,000, this is in the middle of the revolution, uh, this uh, problem started that, yeah, there are people that they wouldn't work for, to cover these expenses of work only. But uh, do you know, uh, the other people that are doing it, it's not that they are doing it to cover the expense. Maybe they are getting a very small amount out of it but they cannot give up on that because the level they reached in poverty is that low. We are seeing a, ve a very uh, low level, uh, a very high level of poverty. And it's, um, it's, uh, the, this issue is not tackled properly. There's, the light shed on this is not enough. What, if any, help has the international sort of UN community sort of stuff actually done anything to help Lebanon? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you asked uh, this question because the simple answer is to to do a proper reference check and due diligence and investigate properly in all the beneficiaries that are benefiting from their grants and their programs and their uh, anything this is all this also applies on the world bank because what we are discovering that these institutions are helping really corrupt people they are not doing anything anything to investigate properly in these beneficiaries so just like i said once uh, to the to donors they have a responsibility to do a proper due diligence about the ngos they're sending their money to because it's not enough for you to send money it's, you should be sending money and making sure they're reaching to the proper beneficiary. This trick that everyone uses, <laughs> that they come and they help and they make sure that they are helping the wrong person and the corrupt and, the, and they, tell, they tell you, I helped you with a million dollars. No, you didn't help me. I didn't see it. So it's not considered. So please don't just pretend to help and you know that it's useless. For example, we've been seeing Many people that they didn't finish their project or they didn't, they didn't deliver the outcome that they promised to deliver. And then they get again another fund. How are they doing that? This is exactly what I wanted to get into right here is what you're asking. Because when August 4th happened, we immediately learned that when we were supporting and giving aid, we couldn't go through any official channels. Unfortunately, do you know what happened with me? I was uh, talking a lot uh, negatively about some NGOs and uh, many people tried to help through me and I refused that because I'm not nor an official. The problem was that when I started to expose the corrupt NGOs, people started uh, asking me, give us the names of the good NGOs because they, we, we want to donate to good NGOs. I couldn't find because the problem is that the NGOs that are good, good NGOs, they are not known. So I don't know them. They didn't take enough exposure. They didn't uh, present themselves properly, maybe. I don't know. 
And what I'm sure of also, even the good NGOs and the bad NGOs, of course, but the good ones also, no one has a proof that they are good. When you're good, I want to see something that is extraordinary as a donor. I want to see a financial statement. I think that's, it's probably because what they're doing, they're doing out of actual charity. So maybe they're not looking for the recognition, but that's, that is maybe the issue. There are very few. I know that for a fact. I mean, I don't want to say it. For me to vet, it's not that I should listen to you or you should listen to me. I should see something. And this is what I said. And I presented many models. I said, first of all, we have to know the standards of procurement, the criteria of choosing the beneficiaries. And I want to see an updated and monthly updated transparency report. So no one wants to do this. No one wants to put numbers out there and to be responsible of these numbers that they're putting. And they know that it is a responsibility because we're following these numbers. So when you're not putting numbers, but you are known to be good, it's a problem. It's a problem equals to corruption because you are not giving me the safety to donate. Since we're in the wrap up period, if there's anything that you wanted to get into that we haven't covered, I'm just going to give you the floor to bring up any topic. If you've had something that's been on your mind that you wanted to bring up today. To be honest, I didn't expect that we would be talking on these topics specifically. This is the first time that I talk about these topics and you know, I'm not uh, even talking about these things on my own page. <laughs> I'm not uh, doing any statements or anything. So um, it was very good that we tackled these issues because what I believe in that this is these are the things that we need to change to create our own rules and for logical reasons and for a good purpose and to actually follow them as people. Because what we lack in Lebanon is not uh, rules and existence. What we lack is to practice what we preach, to be disciplined and to actually follow an, eth an ethical combination of some rules and regulations that would create a good system for us to work with instead of this system that was fully based on WASTA and not on skills and not on transparency and with briberies. Uh, these are the things that we should be wanting to abide by, to actually be engaged, to create our own system. There is a system that is totally rotten, so it needs a radical change. And these are the things that matter. These are the things, whenever we want to be in a revolution, we have the right to be transparent about who is who. Whenever we are in a revolution, skills matter. This is something we didn't talk about, for example. There was so much ego, okay? There was so much ego in this revolution and everywhere, I think, in the world that no one wants to appreciate the, neither the seniority, neither the previous experience, neither the skill of the other person. Everyone wants to give an opinion about everything. No, we don't know about all the things. Not all the fields are our fields and we should, a leader knows his strength and his weaknesses. And there are plenty of slogans that were created in this revolution that were slogans of infiltrators. This is something I figured out after two years. There are, there are two, uh, one of them I mentioned before. And there are two additional. The first one that I mentioned is about randomness. We are random and we want to stay random. Our, our strength, strength is randomness. 
And the second thing was that no, we don't lead leadership. Leadership will kill us. Leadership will harm us. How come? What? We kept learning about leadership and uh, in our careers and in our universities and in our lives and in everything. And we are replacing a leadership. So who? Uh, how come a replacement, an alternative for leadership wouldn't be another leadership? This is something we abide by for two years. And the third thing is that the language of accusation is the language of the authority. This is double standard. That so one is I, a huge red flag for me. Yeah, so uh, it's double standard. Because if you are saying that I am the government because I'm accusing someone of being the government, you are using that language yeah, that I'm using. To, it, dealt uh, it. Yeah, which makes you also a government. So how you say I'm Sulta, Sulta means authority, means I'm a traitor in this revolution. How if I accuse someone to not be ethical, I become an infiltrator because I use this language? No. No, we should be we should be selective in this revolution. And, yeah, and there's but, a difference between leadership and hierarchy. Exactly. You know, like and, I always use the example of unions. Like you elect a union representative for a reason. You know, he's 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 not uh you know, he doesn't actually run anything. He still answers to the union, but he has a leadership position because he's supposed to negotiate with things. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's not necessarily that the leadership is in the in the CEO. Sometimes there there is a board holding this leadership. Yeah, a sure know? a council. That's how we like to run it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what does being Lebanese mean to you, and how has that affected your actions in the last couple of years? Being Lebanese is a super powerful human resource in terms of a resource that is never appreciated for his skills. As people in general, it's said about them, they are the happiest depressed people. And it's still I've, true. Yeah, I've heard somebody say that before. But it's true, it's so true. And it hit me so hard when the revolution started, October 17, 2019, because it was true since Baghdad. And it was true in the years before. We used to party hard because partying is a healer for us. It's our therapy. 